electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. It's Wednesday, October 11th. Welcome to the Tech Check Podcast. I'm Deirdre Boza. And I'm Mark Gilbert. Our story today, the Birkenstock IPO. It's also the second day of Amazon's Prime Day, these deal days. We talked yesterday about what's working in e-commerce, namely these Chinese companies. Today, Deirdre, what isn't working? We're going to get to that, but first I have to ask you, have you actually bought anything during these <laughs> I bought, Prime yeah. Days? Very unusual for me. I bought absolutely nothing this week. Not even an echo. Um, I am happy to report that I bought a lemon squeezer and a sieve for my sink. <laughs> that Yeah, that's all sort of, uh, those are nice usable products. Exactly. I went there with a purpose, with intent. And that's where, how we've talked about Amazon really succeeds. You know what you want, you go there, you get a good deal. Um, on the other hand, though, and on the other side of this model is the direct-to-consumer or D2C model, where you don't go through a big marketplace like Amazon, but you go directly because you appreciate a brand. And today, as Birkenstock, as Birkenstock starts trading, it's a really good example. We dug into the numbers of how to do D2C right. In fact, you know, we argued today that it's been the secret sauce of Birkenstock's revenue growth over the last few years. And that makes Birkenstock a somewhat rare success story in the retail space. There's the other brands, the darlings of the last few years in the D2C space, like Warby Parker, Alberts, Casper. They had so much promise initially. They were direct to consumer, so they owned the consumer. They owned all of the data. But a few years on, they've struggled to sell directly to those consumers. Last week, Smile Direct Club filed for bankruptcy. Blue Apron recently got bought out for pennies on the IPO price by someone our audience should know well, Mike Lore. That's the former Walmart executive who is still in this space working on DTC. Yeah, I mean, I think that that for our listeners, uh, DTC might sound like like companies that are successful and that they know, Casper, Allbirds, Warby. But for investors, these stocks have cratered uh, and these have not worked out as, as investments. Um, but Birkenstocks is interesting because it seems to have cracked the model a little bit. And that has probably helped it reach that $9 billion plus valuation. But what's so interesting is that Birkenstock is not a pure play direct to consumer company, right. sort of a hybrid. So let's let's go into this. Um, we went through its F1 filing, its IPO prospectus to look at the channel mix. So it shows a significant shift here in how the company sells its shoes. Back in 2018, direct to consumer made up less than 20% of revenue. In 2022, just four years later, that more than doubled to 48%. It's B2B sales, also known as wholesale sales, that has shrunk as a percentage of the total. And there's a good quote in its prospectus as to why it's doing this. They say, our D2C footprint provides access to Birkenstock in its purest form. It has enabled us to express our brand identity while engaging directly with our global fan base. So in that way, it's not dissimilar to what the Caspers and the Allbirds wanted to do, but it's doing it differently. Um, on the surface, though, again, Mark, it does seem similar. We're going to get into why it's not. 
Right, exactly. They they want to own their own platforms. They want to own their own relationships with with customers. They don't want to be disintermediated by you know a wholesaler like uh, you know Dick Sporting Goods or uh, you know uh, another you know, Target retailer. Or an Amazon, just saying it's Prime Day. It all comes back to Amazon too, at least in retail and e-commerce. The other thing about this, it's way more profitable when you go direct to consumer. So that's another sort of reason why Birkenstock and others want to do this. Right. And that now it is, it's not just, uh, you know, starting that e-commerce platform in the US, but it says in the prospectus that it has, um, you know, it has its own standalone uh, app or website in more than 30 countries and it's looking to, to expand that. Yeah. So Casper, another one that comes to mind is Glossier. Remember that one? Still of around. Course, yeah. Um, still, still interesting brands. Um, the rest of them, they, they had their own platforms and they had physical stores, but there's a difference between the Birkenstocks D2C model and the ones of the last decade that didn't seem to work out. Break it down for us, Mark. Yeah, they, they, uh, they found themselves better positioned than their predecessors. First of all, first of all, they have that, um, they have that, wholesale model that they started with, right? This is a 250 year old company. So they, they have that enduring revenue that's less tied to, um, you know, the whims of needing to advertise on, on platforms. Uh, and they also uh, have something that they call engineered distribution, which seeks to boost brand value by creating scarcity. Which was, that was the most fascinating thing about the whole prospectus to me is that they're not just doing D to C. The only way that this engineered distribution model works is if you have both, you have direct to consumer and you have wholesale. And essentially you're using them against each other to create this brand scarcity. So the company strategically allocates products between wholesale partners and its D to C channel that allows them to better manage inventory and pricing and as it says in the prospectus, it allows them to build a foundation for long-term growth and reduce dependence on wholesale. So it's kind of an amazing sleight of hand. They're using their wholesale model to build this strategy, but ultimately this is going to eat the lunch and this is going to ultimately hurt the wholesale model. But they I mean, want to do they me. want to sell shoes. It reminds me of the the television business, right? Where where you know uh, these content creators for years relied on the cable bundle, and slowly over the last decade have been trying to uh, you know disintermediate disintermediate that and go direct to consumers. Um, you know, and, and what they've realized, what a lot of companies have realized in the last few years is that comes you know it's fraught. It comes with uh, it comes with drawbacks. It can be less profitable, um, and it can be a tougher business. And that's a good analogy because where are we now? We're at a hybrid, Disney Plus, Netflix, et cetera, et cetera. They also have advertising models, right? So going direct to consumer didn't exactly work out the way that they wanted it to. So now they're kind of leaning on the old way of doing things. So it's very interesting that Birkenstock, this sort of 250-year-old company, had figured this out before the newer you know, tech-savvy ones. And it's a lot different than that last class of direct-to-consumer companies, right? The Warby Parkers and the All and the Allbirds, they spent big on Google and Instagram ads to create the hype around their brands, sell as many shoes or glasses as possible. And then they had that playbook disrupted when Apple upended the, lad the ad landscape with a new privacy policy. So they thought that they were eliminating the middleman, but it turns out that Apple was the middleman and you can't disrupt Apple. They have too much control, too much power. 
Yeah, I, I think what you mentioned there about about Google and Apple and Instagram is su- a super interesting piece of this of this puzzle. There's an analogy I read a while back that Warby and Allbirds and Casper didn't pay brick and mortar rent, right? They didn't pay rent for actual physical real estate and stores. So they just ended up paying rent to Google and Facebook instead, and that the customer acquisition costs ended up being high and permanent, and they didn't really you know, go away and they didn't scale. And as I love to say often, everything always leads back to interest rates, right? In a different interest rate environment, their models worked a little better. You could push off that profitability into the future and just focus on that customer acquisition. But time ran out when interest rates started to rise. So again, Birkenstock looks better placed because they have a mix, that channel mix. Um, it always leads us to the question mark, where does Amazon fit in? We talked about this a little bit, but you know, remember Allbirds famously would never put their shoes on Amazon and Amazon has their own private business and they kind of created a copycat shoe that looked a little bit like Allbirds. And that was the threat. The idea is you didn't want to put your products on Amazon and sell them because you're essentially giving the data to Amazon to go out and create copycat products or disintermediate the brand and its customer. We're kind of heading back there. I mean, I still remember looking at Casper a few years ago. And it had gone back on that promise and started putting its mattresses on Amazon. When you went to go search for a mattress on Amazon, it wasn't Casper that came up first. It was Amazon's own brand of mattresses and a bunch of others. So it's a really difficult trade-off for retail brands. Do you put your product on Amazon to reach more people, more distribution, or do you go to the DTC model, which um, also turns out you're not always in total control? Yeah, totally. I mean, I think what's really interesting here is also the order of operations, right? Do you start a business uh, like you know Nike or Birkenstock, where you sell through real t- retailers, and then you slowly try to build your own DTC business, you know, and, and, and add that to the mix, or do you build a DTC business and then slowly try, you know, you see what Warby Parker did; they added stores, or uh, you know what Casper did; they started selling on Amazon. Then do you try to to try to go with a with a strong negotiating hand and go to retailers and try to try to add wholesale to your business? You bring up a good point with Nike. Nike had the brand first, right? It was selling shoes on Amazon, and then a few years ago, it said, "Listen, we're strong enough on our own; we don't need to do this anymore." And, you know, it goes back to, to Birkenstock being what a 200 year plus brand. I mean, I have had a pair of Birkenstocks in my closet since middle school. I have always had a pair for as long as I can remember. And I, I can only assume that you have too, Mark, you strike me as a Birkenstock wearer. We were talking about this uh, earlier this morning, but that, that Birkenstock seems to have sort of viral sensation or, or, you know, pop, pop, you know, popular shoes that are not, um, you know, that aren't just its enduring styles, right? It actually has new products that people uh, people get into every few years. The key word being reinvention. I don't know if you've seen the Croc. What are they called? The Croc cowboy boots. Have you seen those? I have, yes, of course I saw the Croc cowboy boots, but it's another, you know, these are sort of another, that's another cult favorite band, brand that people love it or hate it, um, you know, really drive an attachment to. Yeah, well- Um, It will be interesting to see how this evolves, especially now that Birkenstock is a public company, our favorite thing, because we can track it and we get way more transparency. We can look at the financials every quarter. Um, So we'll see. And we'll be back tomorrow. We'll be talking about how Prime Day either lived up to expectations, didn't live up to expectations, how that positions retail for the upcoming holiday season. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, 
No one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.